Welcome to the Hobcast Book Show, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime, mystery and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of running a creative business in this challenging world. We'll hear from the people who make this possible, the authors, the cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast Book Show from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Hello, Hello and welcome to the Hopcast Book Show, episode number 121. And we, as you can hear, are not in our usual place in Norbury. No. The centre of Bristol. No mooing cows here. In the epicentre of the crime writing world. Crime Fest 2023. (laughs) Yes, the epicentre of the crime writing world we are. Welcome to the show. My name's Adrian Hobart. My name is Rebecca Collins. And together we run (laughs) Closing Taxi Doors. No, we run Hobeck Books, UK independent publishers, are the following four genres. Suspense. Mysteries. Crime. And thrillers. And it's a delight to be speaking to you from Bristol Crime Fest 2023. Uh, another cracking festival. Some wonderful names here. Great to actually rub shoulders with people who have been on the podcast, people who may come on the podcast, and our own Hobeck authors. And each other, obviously. Yes, yes. We've tried to avoid each other as much as possible. But uh, here we are, doing a podcast together again. Again. And our guest this week is Rachel Corsini, who is a debut author whose book comes out the day after this podcast. Yes, 16th of May. So uh, we're delighted to to speak to Rachel from Long Island, New York, and it was a terrific interview, really, you know, inspirational. Uh, She's got a great story to tell, and her new book, which is Sushi and Sea Lions, uh, comes out on Tuesday. So uh, more about Rachel a little later in the show. Let's get into some news, shall we? Yes, so... um um, last week we talked about the Penguin Random House closing down, announcing they're going to close down Grantham, um, the book distributor. Now, um, I think we only really talked about um, that as a news item in itself. We didn't really think about the wider implications. No, I think we mentioned it a little, actually. We yeah. did, I did say that you know that it, it would affect independent publishers and they'd have to find a new home to get their distribution sorted out and their sales representation. Um, but that's very, very clear now because yeah, there's quite so a number of names of, of fam- publishers familiar to us who are going to be affected. Yeah, so they're now talking about, um, firstly, the fact that there was no warning of this, so it was a shock to them. And, you know, suddenly to be told that a distributor you've been using for 15 years is shutting down is a big shock. And there's a lot of admin you have to go through in order to find another home for your books. Um, and also the, the other distributor companies are saying, well, hang on a minute, you know, we can't cope with the, the volume of uh, smaller publishers coming to us, approaching us, we have to look at their lists, we have to consider, you know, the logistics of mm. everything before we even make a decision. Now, you and I know that th- this relationship isn't a straightforward sign a piece of paper, you're our distributor, you know, that they have to consider um, all sorts of um, elements about it and, and whether it's good for them to take you on as well as whether they are good for you. So... It's yeah, a bit chaotic. I mean, well, <laughs> absolutely. We, we, we are in the process of speaking to one of said distributors and um, marketeers for our uh, paperback books. And, um, I mean, there will be a natural impact in, uh, because 
they were considering you know, whether we were a good fit for them and uh, we're not quite there yet and the fact is that suddenly a lot of other publishers are going to be looking for the same route yeah. so um, that might have an impact on us but I think the wider thing is, is just as I anticipated when I mentioned this last week uh, exactly that, that there's an awful lot of the uh, independent publishing industry has had a curveball thrown at them very unexpectedly there's a large tour group right opposite us as they stand outside the Grand Hotel, which is uh, here in Broad Street in, uh, in Bristol. Is that a fo- do you think this hotel's a focus? Of a, do you know? I don't know quite what, what, what might be the interest here, but um, <laughs> the fact that uh, there are multi-million uh, pound selling authors uh, within might be enough. Oh, it might be us, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Uh, the fact that the Hobcast is coming from this street could be a thing. Um, the other story that we wanted to touch on again it's another ai story and um, google had their big sort of uh, launch for their annual products and uh, services that they were going to highlight this year and they have a new version of ai which is going to be launched very very soon and the power of it is such that the online publishing industry is very very worried about its impact uh, why is this well this new search engine version that they're coming up with will potentially take away, uh, because it's so comprehensive in the information it can draw together and essentially write articles, bespoke articles. for you. If you put in something you want to know about, yeah. it will create something that is so... Just- it's almost curated to the point where it's written by a journalist. That's amazing. Right? I mean- and it just means that specialist... Uh, titles or anything, even general titles who rely on advertising income because of the eyeballs they get because they write articles that people want to read may die out simply because no longer will people go to those websites they'll just get it from this AI So basically what you're saying then the AI is doing the work of a a journalist thinks I want to write an article about um, I don't know black holes say Yes. and the current scientific knowledge on black holes so they will research and then they will put together all the information and create an article the AI is just doing that like that for them yeah that's that's basically what the the power of the thing and that means that and it could actually be better you could argue it could be Um, it certainly could be more much more specific and more up to date right and uh, because the power of this is such that uh, I've got some exciting news for you Mr. Will Dean has just walked into view. (laughs) Finally here, and this is going to excite him. Wearing the same jacket. Yes, he is. It's it's a standard look. Uh, And I think that quite a number of people in that building were hoping we could be here, including you. Donna, too. I think Donna Donna might melt. (laughs) Indeed. Donna Morford, who we uh, spent some time with this time. So, yeah, going back to that story, then, you know, you have a, a, a powerful AI who can create bespoke content, which basically means that anything, you know, terms of magazines newspapers specialist magazines uh, um, fanzines things like that will n- have a lot of their revenue curtailed because they just simply won't have the, the traffic well they're only surviving by the skin yeah. of their teeth already so absolutely that's it and then you add to the thing of, you know while we're here uh, talking about creating fiction uh, there's an awful lot of uh, people who are using uh, ChatGPT 4, which is the new version, and uh, uh, Microsoft are launching a version as well, something you know similar, that can create plausible plots, chapters, even whole novels. 
depending on what you ask it to do and what it what to look at so for instance if we uploaded three books by a hobeck author into the system it could then sort of work itself around and then come up with book four is, is basically what people are using it for. I'd, li- I'd like to add that we're not planning on doing that before the authors start quaking. No, no, absolutely. But, uh, you know, for savvy, commercially-minded authors who don't really care about the craft, it will be a, a big, big thing for them, and they can make a lot of money, you know, churning out books, which they uh, curated. It's, 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 it's fascinating. But it's terrifying. It at the is same terrifying. Time. Actually, one of our authors I saw uh, she posted on Facebook yesterday. This is Terry Nixon who writes versus R D Nixon. Asked Chatbox to create a author biography, you know, little mm. paragraph, and it was actually really good. Well, there you go. <laughs> it just goes to show, uh, you know, this is the new reality. The world has changed in the space of about the it's, last few weeks. It's really quick, isn't it? And it's, yeah, yeah. it's and quite frightening how quick it is. So this yeah. time next year, when we come to Crime Fest, I know they've talked about AI quite a lot here today but i imagine the conversations will be quite different in just a year totally totally yeah it's going to be fascinating wherever we go we seem to f- music seems to follow us uh, <laughs> Someone's and, car. And i'm always trying to find somewhere where you don't have to have uh, music so yeah, it's i think a noisy wh- boy okay so while we have music and bustle and uh, very famous authors gathering around us having a tab um we ought to get to our interview with Rachel Corsini. And uh, Rachel's story, she's a former ballerina. In fact, she's a ballet teacher occasionally. Uh, she's also a creative writer. And she, te- she teaches writing as well. She does teach writing, say. absolutely. And it's been a long journey for her to... Uh, her dreams of becoming a ballerina on stage in Broadway uh, slowly died. But, you know, uh, she turned her creative energy and focus towards writing. And her new book... Her first book comes out on Tuesday, and that, of course, is sushi and sea uh, lions. Lions. I'm going to say sea, <laughs> sea horses. horses. I know. Yeah, caught caught there. So, sushi and uh, and sea lions, and um, it is a romantic comedy. It's quite saucy. Uh, it's got a a little bit of a feel to Candice Bushnell or something like that. Sex yeah, and the City, I think. Yeah, that, that, that's a bit of a feel that the interview was like that, wasn't it? I yeah. think we touched on uh, Sex and the City as well, didn't we? So. Yeah, absolutely. So let's speak to Rachel Corsini. Well, it's a great pleasure to speak to Rachel Corsini over in the United States. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> well, so, so are we. We really are. Where where are you? Because I love talking to people far away. <laughs> oh, I'm um I'm in New York. So, so uh, we were looking it up, Freeport. Yes. So I live on the South Shore of Long Island. Um, now in Freeport, which is like this kind of, it's like a very, it's not a beachy town, but it's a water town. Like a lot of people here have boats and like they go fishing and stuff like that. And I also live um kind of by this area that's got like restaurants and bars and like things to do but I'm like Dawson's Creek (laughs) oh I you know I guess yeah you could kind of say that just a little bit um so it's a seasonal town so like things now are kind of starting to ramp up like you know because the weather is getting nice and so like things are starting to open up again there's a lot of seafood places so that's really nice but I'm originally from Queens so I'm originally from the city um and I was born and raised there and and grew up there my whole life so I was a part of the hustle and bustle of New York City from from birth (laughs) fantastic um and that comes through strongly in your 
your debut novel, which as we record this is yes. on the verge of coming out, which is fantastic. It's days, isn't it? It is. It's like, it literally, it's six days away. <laughs> it's, six, <laughs> it's like very, um, yeah, I know, like launch, launch week, like this is a little bit insane. I didn't realize it was going to be like this. The, the like the, the hustle of it. I mean, I should have known. I really should have known that it was going to be very hectic. But um, yeah, Queens is a, is a huge part of, my debut novel it takes place in queens um daniella the main character she you know had this whole other life on the upper west side of manhattan and she returns she has to go back to where she grew up and so it's also it's not just like her finding herself it's also a return to her roots and a little bit of a a, a renewal of a, a love affair with where she grew up. And that's kind of close to home for me too, because I always had this love-hate relationship with my neighborhood. Um, and like as when I grew up and I still lived there in my late 20s and early, like very early 30s, I kind of fell in love with it again and like the local bars and just the delis and, you know, seeing, you know, the neighborhood people and places like that. And I just, I, I, I appreciated it more. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody feels like that, don't they, about where they grew up and to some yeah. degree. You think, I can't wait to explore other places and see what's beyond what I've only known all my, I've known all my life. And yes, it was very much like, it was very much like that, especially for me. And that kind of, that like wanderlust started for me when I was a lot younger. So I went, so I went to Catholic school in Queens from the time I was in kindergarten until eighth grade. And it was very, it felt like very, as I got into middle school and stuff, it was very restricting for me. And I was always a dancer. I was always a ballet dancer. And so I, um, I wanted to get out of there, something terrible, because I knew that like the city, like, you know, you had to go to the city, you had to go to like the big city, right? So us from Queens, from the boroughs, we call Manhattan the city. So if yeah. ever I say the city, we mean like Manhattan, right? <laughs> you know, the start, like the skyline, you know, Broadway, the whole thing. Um, so I, I was like, I got to go to the city. I want to be a ballet dancer. I want to be a performer. And so my, I auditioned for the performing arts high schools in in the city and I got into one and so at 14 years old I was on the trains and buses and commuting into Manhattan every day um to go to school and dancing and 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 living that life like that artist you know fame life like, fame. I was gonna say it's very much the fame yeah yes I loved as a child I absolutely loved watching fame I even had a fame sticker book yes <laughs> I mean it was very much like that and you know like seeing those like those streets like in that movie even though it wasn't the, the 80s because you know I graduated in like 2005 so it was like the early 2000s um but like it was very much like that electricity right and and being in those streets every single day and being a part of that especially as a teenager was very exciting like mm. it, it, you know and I love I loved every minute of it so that started the I gotta get out of here the wanderlust like the city is the place to be it's full of artists and and free thinkers and you know all this kind of stuff and, and like I mean it was it was fantastic I, I would not change that experience for the world no that's fantastic but I mean 
I went to uh, journalism college, which was a similar kind of field. No, I mean, clearly you're comparing we... Cambridge to Manhattan. No, no, I'm Cardiff. Literally, well, of course, we didn't burst out of the school and jump on car bonnets and fenders <laughs> and start dancing or anything like that, or play a cello on top of a taxi. Any of that stuff. Didn't... But, but I mean, there is something about being in amongst kindred spirits in the creative arts and going to something that specializes in it, where everyone's passionate about the same thing. That is something very special, isn't it? It is. It is. Yes. That I was surrounded by people and you know how it is like in high schoolers, especially like, you know, being surrounded by, you know, people that are so passionate about what it is that they're doing and, and these enormous dreams, right. And, and these possibilities that we all had at that age it really was very inspiring. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, w- it was a, it was a great time. Like it was a great time. Now that I look back on it, aside from all like the hormones and stuff, but uh, you know, whatever, I mean, that's, yeah, no, that, <laughs> so that's an interesting scenario because, you know, we all remember our teenage years being this sort of swell of hormones and all the other things that go on. But when yeah. you're in an environment like that, where everyone's got the passion and the drive and everyone is beautiful and all that stuff, <laughs> <laughs> it's you know an athletic Is and the same journalism school no uh, <laughs> absolutely not uh, one or two but uh, i mean that must amplify everything and elevate the stress and the the the, the... Well, the highs and the lows yeah that's what i'm oh. thinking yeah oh my gosh the the i mean and, and like weirdly enough i think it prepared me to write this book like because it, it really was a lot of like very like high highs and low lows and you know the crying and the, is this what I want to do with my life? And like, you know, all the, like all of these different things and, and everything is so amplified and, you know, and then like, I would see like other people like my age and, and I'd be like, wow, they're doing like such cool things. Like I had friends who were on Broadway. Like I had friends who, um, were in movies. I had friends who, you know, we were 17 and graduating and they were getting contracts for ballet companies. I mean, like a mate, I mean, my, like people that I knew did so many amazing things. And I was just like, it, it was, it was incredible. Like, you know, I mean, some of, some people I went to high school with are on Broadway to this day. I mean, some people are still dancing in ballet companies. I have a friend, I have someone that I know that is a prominent choreographer now for New York City Ballet. Like, I mean, and these are people that I shared a classroom with. Yeah. And it, it's so, it's like very, very inspiring. And, you know, and here I am, I'm like, I finally wrote my debut. <laughs> <laughs> it's equally as valid, though, as all those other but, I mean, Yeah, I yeah, it is, it is. I've got to ask the question, though, about, you know, that, that challenge of being in a period where everything seems possible and actually for some of your contemporaries, yes, they've realized their dreams, but in perhaps, I mean, I I don't know, but in your case, the the dancing side of things or some of the creative stuff hasn't been fulfilled in the way that you hoped. Is that, is that right? Yeah. You know what? I, yes, I, yes. Yeah, you know, I I had like, um, you know, when I was in high school, uh, um, being a dancer and you know being a young woman as a dancer and as as wanting to be a ballet dancer was a significant 
a significant challenge. And I, you know, I had a lot of um, critiques like from my, from my program and, you know, things about my body were said and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, those are like things that I couldn't change. I was like, well, you know, this is, this is, this is the way I look. And I, you know, I was a young girl and like hormones and your body's changing and you don't, you know, all these kind of things. And so when I was about, when I was graduating um, and I was looking at programs and, and places to go and did I still want to dance? That was really kind of like, I had kind of like a breakdown and I said, I don't want to do, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I can't do this anymore to myself. Um, and so I needed to like switch gears and I'd always kept a journal and I actually took a creative writing class in high school where I wrote like short stories and my creative writing teacher said, you know, you have a talent for this. Like, why don't you explore this? And I was like, no, I'm a dancer. (laughs) And then I was like, I'm not a dancer anymore. And then. So I went, I I applied to creative writing programs and I actually, that's, and then I pursued that in college. Um, And then after, so I I did a creative writing program in college and I had um, a piece like published in their literary supplement. And then, so speaking about like, you know, navigating your dreams, like in a weird way, like this is the whole topic. And then after that, like when I got out of college, I was like, well, I can't sit in my parents' basement and write books. Like, what what am I going to do with myself? So I wanted to work in publishing, but I graduated in 2009 and there were no jobs. <laughs> so I sort of like putzed around for a while. Mm. And I taught ballet and I worked as a manager in a restaurant. I was a journalist for a little while for like a <laughs> local newspaper. I did that. Um, and then I finally got a job in publishing, but it was medical publishing and it was awful. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> oh my God. It was, I, it was just very boring to me as a creatively minded person. And I, I and I did that for a few years and I was like, I got to do something else with myself. <laughs> but throughout all of this, I had kind of stopped. I'd stopped writing creatively um, because it was, you know, like adulting got in the way, right? Yeah. Like tired. I was busy. I was running around all the time. I was, you know, all these different things. And so I kind of stopped writing. And then, um, and then I went back to school to be a teacher and I'm a teacher now. And then, um, I had kind of, then what sparked like the whole writing thing again was I, I went through a breakup that wasn't a breakup. (laughs) You know, (laughs) We do these things to ourselves. It's it, whatever. And it was dumb, but I was totally crushed. And so I was like, well, I, you know, I was just like a complete mess and sobbing and whatever. And my aunt on Christmas day, while I was upstairs in my apartment crying because I'm Italian and we don't move out until we absolutely have to. <laughs> and so I lived with my parents still, but we had like separate, like I had like a separate apartment. And she came upstairs and she was like, I know something is really wrong. And she was like, why don't you write? And I was like, well, I got to do something because I can't keep crying on this couch. (laughs) And I started writing again. And that's that's what happened. So in a roundabout way, it just took me a long time to 
feel like I actually fulfilled a dream that I really wanted. Yeah, and <laughs> that is quite a transition, isn't it, though, from the physical arts, the, the, yeah. the dancing, the expression on stage, the adrenaline, to the slow burn of writing. It's yeah. it's a different... I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. When, when I'm writing... It's like your ballet career. Well, clearly. Um, <laughs> this is like a... <laughs> I did do Scottish dancing when I was about seven years old. Yeah, wow, I, I, managed to, I managed to last a few weeks. Is that when the legs go like that? Uh, yeah, a little wow. bit of that. A little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, mostly it was things like the Gay Gordon and stuff like that. And... Like country dancing. Yeah, kind of. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. We used to do that at junior school as well. Yeah, dancing. I, 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 Very gentle and dosey does and. Well, the the attraction. <laughs> the attraction. <laughs> It sounds weird at seven years old was that you got to, because I was in an all boys school, you got to meet girls. And I just wanted to, not, not that I was interested in them in that particular time. I just wanted to sort of see what talking to girls was like. Absolutely. A foreign species to you. Anyway, I digress. But it's a very different phenomenon in the sense of it's a, you know, dancing can be a solitary pursuit, but generally speaking, it is a team effort. Yes. And you're moving into a, a very, very individual. Yes. side of the creative arts so yes. how how do you i mean you talked about the the bumps and the the emotional issues that you've faced making that transition but in in terms of the way your mindset is has that been difficult um i don't know if i would say it's been that difficult because i did always kind of write you know like i always kept a journal i was always a big i was always a big reader and i always kept a journal and I did always kind of dabble in writing. So it was, it was like, it became, it was a secondary outlet for me. So I did understand kind of what that was like, but the, um, the, the mode of how that happens can be, can be a little bit more difficult because, you know, also in dance, right. You have either the class or like the choreographer who's sure. telling you, this is what you do. And then you do it, right? Whereas with writing, it's all it's all mental and internal. And it's like, you know, you have to sit down and put words to the page. Nobody is like saying like, this is the sentence you need to write. Well, you're, the cho- you're the choreographer. You're the choreographer. Yeah, and your characters you're the and your dancers. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're the designer and, and you have to you have to create the piece of art all on your own and you're setting it to paper and you're hoping that what what you're writing down is 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 the vision in your head is what people are consuming you know um so that in that way it's different um yeah in that way it's definitely different absolutely sorry we've got some noises off the cat might be able to scratching that's the the cat cat. is now underneath (laughs) one of our seats and doing her sort of gymnastics she's Um, upside down she's upside down right now uh, she does this. Uh, she does this most nights at uh, this time, uh, just to sort of keep herself fit. I mean, she's getting quite old now, but you know that's her way of keeping fit. Anyway, um, well, we should try it then. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I love your opening line from oh. Sushi and Sea Lines because, it, and and I know that uh, one reviewer has picked up on it as well. It, <laughs> it's, I, I put a great deal of stall on first lines, especially oh. when I'm reading submissions and if i got this one i'd be very happy to get it uh, now i can't do the you, you know give, i can't do the accent to, <laughs> but i will read it anyway <clears throat> so this is chapter one uh unbooted 
I glanced over at Billy. I think his name was Billy. If it was, he'd be the third one since the walking boot came off. Like the three Billy goats gruff. Trip, trap, trip, <laughs> trap, right into my bed. Especially after one too many Pino Grigios. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So that's a, that's, that's, that's a zinger of an opening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how long? How many times did you rework that, or was that just? Did that just come? Is that the? Just, yeah, because so, it's very difficult to get the opening. Yeah. So this actually was the fifth chapter. It was not the first chapter of the book at all, um, but it was always there. So mm-hmm. this, that, that zinger, that opener was always there. It just happened later until um until I worked with I actually worked with like a, me- a writing mentor and she would and she said to me she's like this is the beginning of your book she's like all this other stuff is beautifully written and it's great and whatever but she's like this is the beginning mm. oh. that's terrifically insightful because yep. I guess you know, it's, it's it's often the case with first novels. Actually, uh, yeah. I get the impression that is this this feeling that you've got to do the backstory stuff and establish mm-hmm. the world and all that. But actually, if you come straight in on that, you've just imparted so much information yeah, about your character. You can, you can glean quite a lot just from that. And, and, that. and the walking boot that we're talking about is so you've got a your main character is a, a ballerina who's recovering from injury, hence the boot. Yeah, and she has been uh, how do we <laughs> say this? Self-healing um, in various ways, involving alcohol and young men. Um, alcohol, men, bad decisions, right? Like you could, and you could kind of, and you know, and and like the the tinge of humor behind that. I hope what is also picked up on is that there is there's like a, a tinge of unhappiness, mm. right? Like you know that. Yeah, it's funny, but probably not so great. Like that that this is her that this is how you're starting this story. Like what's happening probably isn't the best thing ever. Mm. No. No. Um, you know, but I mean it's interesting cuz then you move on to saying how, you know, empty the experiences is and and, and she's basically decided this Billy's got to shift his hook and she wants something more fulfilling, but she's she doesn't gotta- want the whole settling down thing. Right. Um, which is something that she's conflicted about. So, and I guess this is all part of, you know, moving from the glamour of the Upper West um, side to back to Queens and the um, the grittier nature of Queens and the more sort of uh, real in many ways, isn't it? Because I, I had a friend who um, owned a cheese shop on the Upper West side. And uh, Marcus. no, you know, um, you, we, no, you know this pe- person, right. not Marcus, no. <laughs> No, um, a friend of Marcus. Uh, and she opened a cheese shop and um, hoping that, you know, the well-to-do of that area would suddenly flock to this amazing cheese shop. So she had this amazing amount of stock. Her boyfriend who was in the, worked in the uh, financial district. Uh, okay. It all. Yep. <laughs> it, no. Will you stop saying Marcus? It's a Mar- friend of Marcus's. <laughs> Um, it didn't it didn't quite work out the way she she hoped but i mean for people who aren't familiar with the upper west side it's a completely different world to queens isn't it oh it's like night and day yeah. i mean you know that i mean 
I think like Sarah Jessica Parker lives on the Upper West Side. Right. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. And like, do I still go there? Yes. But like Lincoln Center is not far from there. You have Columbus Circle. Um, yeah. Everything is very, the, you know, you have the beautiful brownstone apartments. Um, I mean, just, you know, the restaurants, you know, Magnolia cupcakes, like, you know, things like that. I mean, you could get a $7 ice cream. <laughs> like, but that's normal, right? For the, and, and the shot for the Upper West Side, like this is like the lifestyle um, that's up there. And, you know, Queens and especially that, well, there's very different pockets of Queens, but the cool. area that's highlighted in my book is very much, very much a working class neighborhood um, of, you know, blue collar workers, you know, teachers and FDMY and, you know, NYPD and bus drivers and, you know, hardworking, down to earth people. And that's like the stock that Daniela comes from um, and ended up in this very, I guess, very wealthy circle because of the art form that became her career. You know, the ballet itself is, I mean, that's the stock that I come from in Queens, right? You know, my dad, my dad was a locksmith for almost 50 years. um, And he, his shop was, cat, Um, sorry, squirrel. Um, But, and his, his shop was, his store, his locksmith business was in Queens. um, And he ran that for almost 50 years. And that was, you know, our bread and butter. And I just happened to be a ballerina, you know, and uh, like this super expensive, very, you know, very, you know, prestigious thing that like I fell in love with and decided I wanted to do. And it's a totally different world. I mean, and some of the people that like, you know, in, in that you're in class with too, are from an entirely different world. And Mm. It was it was very interesting to to navigate that. That was that was also very interesting. So we've taken it back to Queens. Yeah. And I mean this is a romance and it's yes. it's quite steamy in places, I gather, from one review I read. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait to read it. Um let's let's talk about the love interest then. what's he who's he and uh how does that relationship you know get together oh. and then weave its way, you know, apart and back together and all that stuff. So Vincent, Vincent Labate is his name. They're both Italian. Shocker. Right. Um, both Italian originally from Queens. Vincent Labate is um a recently divorced uh single dad. You know, he's like a your standard, like, you know, kid on the weekend, every other weekend, like, you know, now kind of thing. But recently divorced. Um, you uh so he's kind of also navigating that. He had to move out of his beautiful home on Long Island and move back in with his mother in Queens. So he's <laughs> a hot, also a steaming hot mess. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and when and but he's very much Daniela's opposite. He's he comes across as much more buttoned up. He's more he's more logically thinking. He's a little bit more stoic. 
Um, at one point, she, I think she says that he kind of has like one worded grunting answers. I think <laughs> it, it, he's more quiet than her. Um, and he he's kind of like the yin to her yang. So if you're talking, if you want to talk like a little bit of trope talk, he's like the grumpy sunshine. He comes across as a little bit grumpy um, and, and way more, yeah, like way more reserved than her. And he's also her brother's best friend. Ah. So that's, yeah. So that's how they reconnect. That's how they reconnect. They go out. She goes out for her brother's birthday party to their local joint, like, you know, hole in the wall bar that they've been hanging out in since they're 15 and 16 years old and Vincent is there and so that's where they like see each other again and um but she doesn't really realize that he's divorced or whatever she just kind of thinks that he's out but you know she gets the feels and and you know she was like she's like god like don't like crushes ever die. Like I used to have a crush on him when I was like 16, you know, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And so, yeah, and that's how they, they reconnect, but he, he's, you know, I, there is a review. Uh, Cause yes, I know I've read my reviews. You really shouldn't, but I have, um, there was a review that said um, that, and she calls him Vin Vin, which is like really cute, but which is a review that said Vin Vin is the standard has become the standard among men. And um, you shouldn't settle for any less. <laughs> it's a, it's a and I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. how would you match up to a Vin Vin? I, I don't know. I, well, come back to me on that. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you grunt? I do grunt. But you're not I, logical. No, in no way. I'm not stoic either, really. Um, no, you're the opposite. No. <laughs> he's very but. grounding. Like for whatever, even though he's kind of a disaster at first, and like he does make some dumb decisions. But he's, he, for her, who is, you know, can be seen as like, you know, this, you know, want dreamy, like creative that she is, he's very grounding. Like he's very, he's like a calm, a calming presence to her. Mm. Right. Yeah. That sounds, it's a fascinating dynamic and I, I, I can't wait to read it, to be perfectly honest. Let's, um, let's. Talk about the the, the 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 sense of fulfillment you're now on the cusp of getting this published, and it's coming out in, in you know we're talking a matter of hours, a few sleeps before it's out. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can tell we have children. Yeah, but I, 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 I sleep. But I did catch one of your Instagram posts where you were saying, speaking and talking about how how should you approach it? How should you judge whether it's successful or not? How should you be feeling about it? And I can I understand that. It's it's very bizarre. Like I, I I definitely said in the Instagram post, I was like, you know, I'm excited, but like I'm tempering expectations because it is my debut and I don't really and um I'm with Creative Danes Media, which is a small press and it's been wonderful, but you know, it's very different than like popping out from HarperCollins, you know, yeah. it's different, very different. Um and and also like I think I remember I said I'm like, you know it is a Tuesday. I have to go to work. Like I, it's, I can't just like sit at home and like be like my book launched today. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's this, this crazy dream thing is happening, but then I have to go to work. <laughs> it's so odd. It's like so odd. <laughs> yeah. That is grounding, isn't it? I mean, because so we're, we're a small publisher as well so we know you know when our authors publish a book we we try and generate as much excitement as we yes. can but it's just an ordinary day 
<laughs> yeah, it's very weird. It's just a very, very weird feeling. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think it's, like it's a huge achievement. I mean, yeah. you know, there are so many millions of people around the world who would say, if you, you know, bucket list things to achieve, oh, yeah, writing yeah. a book. And yet, so my and even though, even though there are thousands of titles published every day worldwide, it's still a massive achievement because actually not many people get to that point. And so that's fulfilling in itself. But I, you know, it is a difficult thing because for a lot of people, and we've got first time authors for whom the experience has been a bit mixed, really. Yeah. Um, there's the excitement of being picked up by a publisher like ourselves. There's the thing about it coming out. And then it's the, oh. It's like boxing, well, but after Christmas feeling. Yeah, the boxing day feeling, so, I suppose. So you have the build up to Christmas. It's all exciting. Christmas day yeah. is exciting. And then it's like, oh, I've opened all my presents. Or <laughs> once you've got married, the, the day after a wedding. It, you know, all that build up. Um, yeah. You know, there's... melancholy. Yes. I, you know, and I think. Um, I don't think that that's really, I don't think anyone really talks about that. Like, because yes, there, there has been like, you know, I've been like marketing and publishing, like, you know, putting things out there and like pre-order the book and like blah, blah, blah. And like, it's coming out and like all this like hype, hype, hype. And then, you know, Tuesday, it's kind of like, well, what happens now? <laughs> it's out. Like, what do I do? Yeah. You know, I, like, what am I going to <laughs> write another, I know, another book. I, I am writing another book. It's just been, you know, again, there's a lot of like these learning processes that are happening and, you know, being a debut and, you know, doing, you know, doing things like this and then, you know, like the social media and, you know, um, writing blog posts or, or, you know, different things like that. Like the, the side stuff that like also takes up your time and it's like, so now it's like trying to blend all of that in and, and get that, get all of that done. And then also continue to write. Yeah. It's also and work. focus, isn't it? Because you, yeah. if you're doing all the social media stuff, which is quite sort of high excitement, but then sitting down and thinking, right, calm, yeah. right. <laughs> it's quite yeah. Difficult. And, you know, and I mean, like, I have a job. Like, I also mm. like have a, I, you know, I, I, I'm a teacher. I also work. So it's like. You know, like it's eight o'clock at night, and I'm like, man, I didn't write anything today, but I did this, 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 X, Y, Z, A, B, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> but the other book is being worked on, albeit slowly. It is, it is being slowly plucked away at. Um, I would say I think I'm about halfway through the first draft, so I'm not that far off. I'm not that far off. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, it's it's that's a tough thing to to, to manage all that. The noises increase, the noise. uh, distractions. The, yeah, I think that's you know, and and letting things settle again, and then yes. finding that creative energy that burst that takes you over the line with the next one. Yeah, you know, it's, it has in our ex, um, experience taken some of our authors a couple of years to get to that point. Actually, yeah, second second book syndrome. You know, um, and and I I would say that we we kind of anticipated that as publishers that, you know, sometimes that's what it will take. Other people will write four in a year. But, you know, I think they're doing it by AI. They must be. No, they're not. (laughs) But that what you just said, like the second book syndrome, like I have other like I have friends who are 2023 debuts as well. 
And, you know, we have all had this conversation. Every single one of us, they are like, what is it about the second book? Whether it's a sequel, <laughs> whether it's a standalone, whether it's real, it's whether it's like in the same universe, but can be read alone or not. I don't really know exactly what you told those, but like, you know, they're like, what is it about book two? It's like, oh, they're like, oh my God, it's taking forever. And I was like, you do, it's not just me. <laughs> Needs to be a support group, doesn't it? For second book syndrome. It does, second it does. Syndrome. It's a disease. It's a disease. It's like a real thing. I was like, oh my God, I forgot how to write a book. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I think, you know, I think, you should, you know, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because once you get to the end of one, you, yeah, you do forget. And I, I find the same when I'm narrating. So narrating audiobooks and uh, that first probably two hours worth of audio is absolute hell. <laughs> it is because you forget how much concentration it takes. You need to get back into the rhythm of it. Uh, you need the stamina and yeah. you need to get into the flow of the author and create the characters and all that sort of thing. Um it's 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 really really hard and and it's funny it always surprises me when I get towards about the seventy percent mark of a book when I've you know got seventy percent recorded, the last thirty percent takes a fraction of the time, you know the momentum just carries me there. But getting to that point, yeah, yeah, it's like I'm like man, I feel dumb. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> well look um, it'll get there it'll get there yeah, i know yeah. i will finish it and you know i'm just kind of i'm i'm marching my way towards summer and so i you know i'm gonna be i will have i will have what i like to call wall thinking time or wall staring time that's what i call it where it's like i can sit and i can have my coffee and i can just and i can be like okay you know get up in the morning whatever and sit and just have time to write yeah absolutely because well, I, look, I mean we're, we're hurt, hurtling towards the end of a this podcast but also the launch and yeah. for people who are excited by this and i am and i'm going to sign up for this even though it will be uh what time in the in the evening would it be midnight oh. for us oh we got to launch yeah we, i think we launch at midnight on tuesday the 16th of yeah. may so if they go to your website yes um which is uh rachelcorsini.com yes you can sign up for that. And you yeah. can go to bed and then get up. Yeah, you me? also have, I'd love to come to your physical book launches, particularly the one that's at the ballet, um, Integral Badly. Yes. Oh, I'd love yes. to do that. Yeah, it's, it's um, that the studio has been, has been wonderful. I, so I take ballet class there every Tuesday and Miss um, Erin, my teacher, um, you know, knows that I have this book coming out. And so she said, let's do like something here. And I was like, absolutely. So it'll be like a smaller, more intimate, um, more intimate event. But I'm also going to be working there in September. I'm going to be teaching ballet classes there. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm ret I am returning to ballet teaching, which is like one of my favorite things. I love to share my joy of ballet and dance and, you know, give my knowledge to young students and help them. And, you know, and hopefully they go on to be ballet dancers or, you know, they take away, you know, the, um, the perseverance of it and the discipline and the artistry and, you know, and it, just, I feel like just ballet like can be used for so many things and it not just like being a ballerina. Mm -hmm. And, 
So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to be working there in September. <laughs> it, it sounds, sounds fantastic. So many good things to look forward to. Right. Yeah. Here's the tough one, though. Here's the bit we've been all dreading. You say that every week. <laughs> people off it's really scary I do and if you just forgive me I'm just going to do the voice (laughs) the introduction here we go Rebecca's random question so last weekend we got a new king it it was this big event right this chap he got a new hat and to mark the occasion I don't know where this came from but they somebody made a new flavour quiche and called it coronation quiche and it's got what broad beans in it and spinach, mm. I think. Yeah, which is a little interesting. So my question to you is: If somebody asked you to design a quiche for an occasion, such as your book launch, what flavor would it be? Oh, if I made a quiche for my book launch, sushi and sea lion flavor, surely. <laughs> Not sea lions. Sea lions. No, okay. I think they're endangered. Yes. Yeah. You know what? It would probably be um, chicken parmesan quiche. Oh, mm. that does sound nice. Yeah. Oh, why didn't we have that for the coronation? That broad bean. Because <laughs> if there, if you've read, if like, if anyone's listening who has read an arc or like whatever, they will know why. And it's a very funny moment in the book. And chicken parmesan quiche. Okay, mm. I think we should make that anyway. Yeah, we we we'll we'll, we'll we'll bring it to your virtual launch. <gasps> yes, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it. Yes, oh my god, that would be amazing. I mean, chicken parm is amazing, but and I'll air freight one over. Woo! I'm into it. I'm into <laughs> it. You, you, you still got a passport? You could go over anyway. My passport's expired. So I, I yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll burn all our air miles and fly over. <laughs> bring it over. Um, you're going to ask me what mine would be. Yes, of course. What were your celebration quiche? My celebration quiche. Gosh. I've had time to think about this as well. I'm really struggling. It's been in the news. It's this coronation quiche. Yeah. um, I think think I'd probably do something a bit weird and uh, base it around a uh, doner kebab, the sort of thing I used to eat when I was a student. Okay, Donna Kebab quiche, yeah. So, you know, the sort of sliced lamb off the rolling thing, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kidding. I used to eat, the, the the best place I ever had those was in Australia, actually, in Sydney. Oh. And there was, a, there was a place that did them on Circular Quay, which is where all the ferries leave across um, the harbour, across to the other districts. Yeah. And, yeah, that was always, you know, after a few drinks, that was just perfect. It's it's not very I don't know it's quite no, it's not very quiche elderly isn't it you you go out drinking and have quiche no well okay <laughs> yeah but based on a kebab I mean you can't go wrong with that well mine would be pickled cabbage I think mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like these okay. are very We're British. Dividing the room, these here. are very these are very English quiches <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I've ever even eaten pickled cabbage I had it for lunch I have it every day I love it. See, this is, you know, listen, I, I mean, us Americans, some, some of the stuff, we're, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. again, I probably, you know, I mean, I probably eaten things like as an Italian American too, where you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, true. 
true. That's, I mean, but you know. I do have a strange taste in food anyway, because you don't eat pickled cabbage very often, do you? No, I don't, no, no, no. But, you know, that's that's your thing. I'm I'm very sweet-toothed. So. Yeah, no, yeah, we're very different. You say, I'd rather eat cheese and chocolate any day. Mm. Cheese and chocolate. Mm. I'm da- I'm down for that cheese and chocolate. Oh yeah, but I also I also do have a I do have a really big sweet tooth. Um, I do. I but I I'm like but like a chocolatey sweet tooth. So like fudge, chocolate on chocolate. Yep. Yeah. 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 Put a frosting on it. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Rachel, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you, and we're really thrilled that you could join us in launch week. And yeah. <laughs> we've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been fantastic. So tell us about uh, the title of the book and when it's available and yeah you'll here's your sales pitch okay so sushi and sea lions it will be available um anywhere books are sold starting on may 16th um so obviously you know amazon barnes and noble waterstones you name it you can get it um and it is about daniella verney a former ballerina who loses her career and her situationship in one go, and she has to move back to Queens and figure out her life. So if you're into a total life collapse, <laughs> go ahead. I like it, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. we've all been there at some point. Oh, totally, we? totally. Yeah. I think I'm going through it now. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure. Rachel, thank you so much, and we thank wish you every success with it. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely love that interview. And yes, I am working on a chicken parmigiana <laughs> quiche. I don't know when you're going to have time, actually. I'm no, well, thinking about it. But... No, because if you look at our week ahead, it's, it's busy. Uh, first of all, we're going to be speaking to our guest for next week, who is? Uh, our guest next week is someone who we announced accidentally a few weeks ago. This is Jude Austin, um, who is a writer who lives in Japan. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Jude because I lived in Japan for a while, as everybody knows. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because um, she's quite sort of remote from the sort of English-speaking writing community over in Japan, how that how she manages that. So Yeah, absolutely. So Jude Austin will be speaking to her. Uh, we've got Ricardo P. Lloyd, who uh, we introduced to you many weeks ago, came up to do some recording for us. We've got a project which we're finishing, which is Silence by Jenny Ensor for audio, and he's doing his bits for us. In fact, the day this podcast comes out. So um, we're going to be busy with with Ricardo. And, uh, yeah, it's there's plenty going on. Family-wise, people have got exams coming up. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's bonkers busy. It's a busy time, yes. Um, it really is, yeah. But, so actually, coming to Crime Press feels like a holiday for me because we just sit in a bar and drink coffee and chat. <laughs> That's true. And we've had plenty of great chats. Um, you know, say a number of Hobek authors have been here. Brian Price... Anthony Dunford, Judy Dakin uh, have been here and uh, we've also had the opportunity to rub shoulders with some former guests including Rachel McLean and uh, we've just presented Andrew Grant stroke Andrew Child with coffee which we promised him at Crime Fest last year. Yes, because we had a long chat about his love of coffee, didn't we? And we yeah. said we did say to him, we'll say, we'll bring you some coffee next year and we have. We've yeah, we had to fill that. We had to. We had to. We you know, we went on, on record saying that was what we were gonna do. Um, so that's been lovely and met some new friends and uh, it's been it's been valuable actually because yeah, everyone's in the same boat here. If traditionally published or indie published, the fact is the digital tide is heading towards us all, the tsunami, and um, everyone's a bit bit worried about it, I think. Yes, and, and you either ride it or you sink, you swim, or you 
I don't know, you just make yourself a boat. You do, you do. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you again here on the Hobcast Book Show. We always love uh, hearing from you, so please don't uh, hesitate to drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook uh, or indeed our email address, uh, which you can find on our website, www.hobeck.net, as a tour party goes past us again. And it would be lovely to see you there. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you uh, have a platform that allows you to do so. But from myself, Adrian Hobart. And myself and about 5,000 people walking past, Rebecca Collins. Thank you for joining us on the Hobcast Book Show. We'll speak to you in a week's time. But between now and then, have a wonderful and... Creative... Week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.